the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to a brand new week. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and you're listening to The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions, answering your life questions, whatever's going on. I'll do the best I can to give you what the Word of God says about it. All you have to do is call us. You can dial 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local area here in San Antonio, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, that's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com. Or you can use our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. If you are driving in your car, the safest way to call on this cool day is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the call now banner at the top of the screen. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Our main number one more time is 340-9585. Well, we're getting ready to go into a very busy week, as I'm sure most of you are. Just seems like everything's been scrunched together in December. Thanksgiving came and then all this other stuff. Uh, We had yesterday, and thank you for those of you who showed up, we had a a great um, Christmas dinner, our our annual church Christmas dinner uh, at the Shirt Civic Center. We're having to rent two of their buildings now and two kitchens, had plenty of food. We didn't run out, although we didn't have too much left over. But it really was a good day. I think we served more than 1,300 meals yesterday. And it's just a really great time. You know, one of the things, because we have a small building, um, it's really good when the church can get together in a place big enough to hold us all because people don't realize there's that many people that go to this church. I had one person come up to me and put his arm around me. He said, Pastor Ron, all this started with 13 people in your apartment. And I thought, well... Look what God can do. But we had a really great time. And uh, for the some of you who came and, and introduced yourself to me, God bless you for coming. I am really, really grateful to have gotten to see you. Uh, also, um, we have this week coming up, Thursday evening, at the Judson High School Performing Arts Center is our annual children's play. When I say children, it's all ages from toddler all the way up to uh, to uh, high school and and in fact some of our graduates come back and and they'll do some some singing in the show but uh, it's all original script and and the music and uh, you will really be blessed it's at 630 at the Judson High School Performing Arts Center it's easy to get to just off of 1604 and um, we'd love to have you come it's free it's a great way to spend a Thursday evening and uh, especially if you have kids they will be so blessed and uh, um, we'd, we'd love to have you there. If you come, I'd just like to meet you. So tell somebody uh, that uh, you're a radio listener. And we'd love to, to, to talk with Pastor Ron, and I'd love to meet you. So that's this coming Thursday uh, at 630. 
Um, tonight uh, will be our final men's, women's, and youth Bible studies for the year. We'll pick back up after the first of the year. Uh, but Paula will be teaching the ladies at 7 o'clock, and she's doing a special message. I think it's out of the book of Philemon, which will be a, a blessing. Uh, Pastor Ken will be teaching the men. He is in the book of Isaiah. Uh, and then our high school pastor and our junior high school Bible teacher are going to be teaching the younger age kids. So the last one of the year, we'd love to see you here. Well, with all of that said, hope you had a great day at church yesterday. We did here at Calvary Chapel. So uh, let's get to some questions and then we'll wait for your phone calls. Uh, my first question comes from our email inbox. It's from Scott. And Scott, I owe you an apology. I had this question early last week and I just absolutely overlooked it. So it's all on me. So here is the question. Um, he says, in Jesus' explanation of repairing the garment and of the handling of new wine in Matthew 9, verses 14 through 17, is he following up on the previous question about fasting or is it referring to his early encounter with the Pharisees of desiring mercy and not sacrifice in Matthew 9, 10 through 13? In other words, is he saying that he's replacing an old tradition, uh, in this case fasting, or is he saying that the spiritual leadership of Israel will be replaced eventually with his disciples? Scott, the last part, let me just say no, it doesn't refer at all to uh, Jesus replacing an old tradition. Now, I'll talk about that in a moment. He's replacing the law uh, with grace, the new covenant, but it has nothing to do with the spiritual leadership of Israel being replaced. That's not in, uh, in Jesus' thought process at all here. What he's doing here. Um, let me get to uh, my Bible study here. Um, when he says no one sews a patch uh, of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Uh, Jesus is using this illustration, the, 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 the patch of unshrunk cloth and then the, the, the wineskins to make the point that he's already argued against. And it's about the fasting. You know, why do your disciples not fast and yet we fast? And Jesus is basically saying, look, it's fun to be with me. You know, he, he says by using the, the, the patch of unshrunk cloth on the old garment, he's saying, you know, you can't make an old cloth new by putting on a new patch. Trying to do so is going to ruin both pieces. He said, I need an entirely new cloth with which to work. And I would add here, Scott, that that's why it's so critical to be born again. None of us can fix up the old you. A completely new you is necessary. I think sometimes we get the idea that when we get saved, we get better. But we don't get better. This isn't a new, improved version of the old you. When you get saved... It's a new piece of cloth altogether, completely new garment. So a completely new you is necessary. Trying to be better, do better, trying to sober up, trying to be nice. None of that works. Uh, we have to be recreated by God uh, because our old filthy hearts can't be changed. And that's why a new heart is necessary. I love what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone the new has come. That's the first illustration. The second illustration, Scott, is the uh, neither do men pour new wine in old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wine will wineskins will be ruined. He says, no, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. So what he's saying here is that as the wine ferments, uh, the old skin, having been weakened, will burst. And that's why he's demonstrating you need a completely new skin. Remember, this is answering the question, well, why do your disciples not fast and we fast? Um, the first example of Claus spoke about people. You can't fix people. Uh, this one speaks about the new institution necessary for the new covenant. Judaism, with its laws and regulations, with its unattainable standards, could never finish the work. And Jesus is telling John's disciples, those who have approached him with the question, that something completely new is necessary. Judaism, never forget this, Christians, Judaism provides the foundation for our faith, but is no longer adequate for salvation. And that is, incidentally, the reason Paul wrote Galatians. And so he introduces a new institution, a new container for this new wine. 
and that's the church. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 18, provide the answer. He says, for he, Christ, has made the two, Judaism and the church, one. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. So that's what he's talking about here. So that's what he's talking about. It's an illustration. The parable describes the point he was trying to make in answering the original questions. Good questions, Scott. Thank you very, very much. Uh, three four zero ninety five eighty five for your live calls and questions. We've got um, Robert holding on line one. Robert from San Antonio, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hey, Pastor Ron, how you doing? This is Robert. I, I've called you several times over the last uh, probably month or so concerning uh situation I'm having with my daughter as far as the social media and her, oh, yeah. you know, having having, you know, done things that she shouldn't be doing, you know, her being a woman now at 16 and things like that. And I've taken a lot of your advice as far as taking her phone away, getting social media. Um, We've had a couple bumps in the road here and there, but for the most part, um, everything is going somewhat good. Um, But I guess the issue I'm having, Pastor Ron, is maybe a little bit more with myself, is that I'm giving myself anxiety attacks because, like I said, I do have her phone, and every once in a while I told her I'm going to go check on it. And now I'm looking for things. And I did find something the other day. It was some of the music she was listening to that I had to have a sit down with her because I basically told her what she's listening to. I mean, Pastor Ron, I don't know if you listen to any of these lyrics of some of these rap songs, but basically it's like pornography. And um, yeah. um, So we had a little discussion on that, and then... Uh, Little, little little things that kind of like set me off. Like, uh, and I don't want to say it's a little thing. Like, she comes downstairs, we're going to the movies, and, and I'm looking. She has like a Snoop Dogg shirt on. I'm like, I thought we just talked about all this stuff, you know. Um, and then it turns into like a little argument. Oh, so every little thing. I was like, no, that's a big thing, you know. I said we just had to talk about the type of people you're representing. And then, like I said, Pastor, I don't think I'm giving myself anxiety attacks here because things are going somewhat good there's some bumps in the road i don't know does that sound am i sounding crazy or what no robert not at all and and by the way thank you for calling and giving us the update because we've been praying for you and and i just know how difficult these things are when we're battling a culture with basically unsaved kids i mean these are kids that haven't yet made the right choice even if they know what the right choice is they're conflicted and we have to understand that conflict because the truth robert is that i had that same conflict and and i'm sure you did in your life before christ as well uh, I, I do understand the music and let me tell you why I, the, the gym i go to has all this hip-hop music playing and the truth is i don't know how kids do not get involved sexually with those songs I mean, every song, whether it's a, a man singing or a woman singing, every song is, is about very aggressive sexual lives. And uh, um, I just sit there and shake my head through the whole time. Yeah. And you can't avoid it when you're there because they've got it in the background. And especially in the locker rooms, it's just really loud and you can hear it. So uh, I understand uh, a couple of things. I'm going to tell you something Jesus said over and over and over, Robert. He said, uh, do not worry. Um, you be consistent. Don't lose your temper. Don't uh, exasperate uh, your child. Um, um, just make sure she understands that you love her. Make sure that every decision is is born out of your love and care and concern for her. At the same time, let her know that you're not going to change because the consistency is eventually what's going to win her over. And uh, you're, you're going to go through some bumps. You're, you're going to go through some times of rebellion. Uh, don't overreact to them. React um, in love, but react calmly. Don't engage in arguing with her. Uh, it always takes two people to argue. And so just refuse to be one of the people that argues. Just say no. Uh, take off your Snoop Dogg shirt, and then we'll go to the movie and have a great time. And, but but, but do it consistently. Yeah. And and don't let her see that she's able to push your buttons. Pastor Ron, here's the other thing. Can you still hear me? Yep. 
is is like she has been cooperative on almost everything and realizing that the mistakes she's made. But sometimes it's almost like um, me and my wife were talking about this. She's kind of guessing, giving us answers sometimes that we want to hear. And I guess because I've been uh, talking a little bit more about, you know, you need to be born again, confess your sins, and, and kind of just explaining to her what the consequences on her, you know, and then she even said basically, so it's kind of like you're a walking dead if you're not in Christ. I said, yes, pretty much. That's that's exactly what it is. Yeah, it is. I guess. And then the, cause, and I've been going back and listening to some of your old teachings that I'm glad you still have back there on your, on your website and going over being born again and just kind of like talking to her a little bit about that. And again, and again, this is with me. I'm glad you said where Jesus says, don't worry, because then I get exasperated because I'm like, and I don't know, I think you, I remember hearing you talking about your own children this way until they got saved. It's kind of like you're almost in a state of, like I said, I, me, I get an anxiety attack and I know she's not saved. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I told yeah, her, come at your own time. I'm not trying to force it. Don't do it to me. And she goes, hey, I'm contemplating. I'm putting it all together and this kind of thing. But it's like I get these anxiety attacks out of nowhere. Like, I'll go on my own Instagram because I do real estate. I'm just like looking to see and then the feed that comes up is like horrible on some of the things that just pop up. And I'm thinking about giving her Instagram back to her in the beginning of the year. And then I get an anxiety attack and I'm like, there's no way I can do that. You know what I mean? If she's not going to use it for good is what I told her. So again, it kind of like I'm got, I got myself in a little bit of a, um, a circle here where I kind of get out of it and I kind of bring myself back into it. I get these anxiety attacks. Yeah. You know, Robert, a couple of things. One, um, um, you know, you've told her about Jesus. Now, now you can't convert her. I mean, you know right. that intellectually, but, but the source of the anxiety is, I want her saved, I want her in heaven. Uh, right now, your consistency, your love, and your compassion, uh, you being real with her, saying, look, I know this is hard. I know this is what all the people at school are listening to. I'm trying to make sure that you're protected from the things that they're not protected from. And I'm doing that because I love you. And that's the way it's going to be in this house. And then just leave it. I wouldn't go, um, um, you know, I wouldn't ban her from secular music. I would just tell her that there's there's good music out there. Uh, but you, you have to use common sense and good taste. Uh, and uh, I am going to monitor those things. I would also suggest, and this is what my producer just flagged me. He said, uh, you know, there, there's Christian rap and Christian hip-hop out there that she can listen to where the, the lyrics, whether you like the music or not, the lyrics are going to be edifying. Uh, my, my youth pastor uh, is, is a, 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 a Christian rapper and his wife, um, a, a lot of her stuff is in Spanish, uh, but she also is a performer and does a lot of Christian hip-hop. So, I mean, there's good stuff out there uh, yeah. And, um, um, you know, if if you would like one day, uh, I'll arrange a meeting between uh, my youth pastor and his wife. Uh, they're young enough and it would be good for your daughter to hear from somebody besides you. Uh, but mm-hmm. but being artists, they could talk to her about it. Um, and, and you just let Jesus do the converting and um, um, you control your anxiety. Let yeah, I would her like know. that, actually. Yeah. Pastor yeah, Donnelly, okay. are you talking about Pastor Donnelly? Yes. Yeah, I, yeah we, we call him... His albums. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Pastor Nelly, we call him Nelly, but Pastor he's... Uh, he, yeah. he, and, his, and his wife is really good. She actually performed this year at our Joy of Jesus um, event, and uh, she's really, really good. But uh, if you ever want to make, make an appointment, uh, all you have to do... It's, her, her song is Michelle from the Soul. If you Google that, Michelle from the Soul, uh, you'll get her mm-hmm. stuff as well. And uh, I'll arrange a, a meeting if you guys want to do that, Robert. Yeah, I think it's something I, I would like to do. Okay. Uh, just use this uh, the email, questions at calvarysa.com. Yeah. My producer will get it, and uh, we'll make the contacts and, and arrange it. Sounds good, Pastor Ron. And like I said, I appreciate it. Sometimes I just need a sounding board, you know, to kind of get these anxieties off my, off my, out of my head. You know, Reverend, I, I, yeah, yeah, Michelle for the soul. I have uh, uh, anxiety over one issue every day in my life. 
And I keep hearing Jesus whispering in my ear, be anxious for nothing. And so I have to remind myself, oh, yeah, Lord, you got this under control. So make Mm -hmm. sure that you don't compromise your witness. Uh, Let her see the quiet confidence uh, in the Lord. You can't convert her. Um, Jesus is not going to give her rest. And um, it's quite possible at this point, Robert, that she's going to do a lot better hearing from someone other than you or your wife. Okay? Sounds good, Pastor Ron. I appreciate it. Okay. Contact us. We'll set it up. God bless you, man. Thanks for calling and giving us the update. Let's go to Ruben calling on line two from Seguin. Ruben, we've missed you. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Pastor Ron. Doing really great. Uh, I pray that you and your wife are doing well as well. Uh, I have two quick things. Uh, Well, three quick things. First of all, uh, uh, prayer. I urgently, urgently need prayer. Just, just been spiritually dealing with the enemies. I don't know why I'm. I just, I don't, I don't understand why I allow him to put condemnation on me over mm-hmm. not reading the Bible, over not praying, over that issue that I told you about. Mm-hmm. You remember that personal yes, issue I, I told you about? Yes, I remember. I, I can't seem to get that spirit out or whatever it is. I, I don't I don't understand if it's a spirit or if it's what it is. I just, and when it happens, oh my God, it just, the enemy just, yeah. it just, he just oh, bombards me and then I feel awful. So I need prayer with that, and also, um, um, <clears throat> I had been feeling to stop. I was going to counseling through a secular uh, place because I couldn't find a Christian counselor. I mean, I found a Christian counselor, but uh, they were charged too much, and I and I can't afford it, you know, for uh, depression and anxiety and all that. And then I just started feeling that I don't need to do that. That I already have the great counselor. So mm-hmm. I stopped going uh, like a week ago, and they told me don't do that because it's going to go bad for me. And, you know, the enemy is throwing that at me, too. So I need prayer for that. And then also I think I'm going to have back surgery next week in mm-hmm. uh, East Baptist in Stone Oak, in the Stone mm-hmm. Oak area. Uh, mm-hmm. when I know for sure. I will definitely let you know for sure where I'm going to be. Yeah. Please do. Meet or something. (laughs) Um, And then, just a prayer, and then I have a a question about the Bible. Um, I was at church yesterday, and I have an NIV Bible, and the pastor preaches out of King James. Mm -hmm. And I noticed something that I never noticed before. Um, Matthew 17 and 21 is taken out of the NIV. It is only in the King James, and then I started researching it. it is taken out of the NIV, but it's in other translations. And that's the one that the scripture that says these things, Jesus was talking to his disciples when they couldn't cast those demons out of those those people. Jesus said these things can only come out through prayer and fasting. And, and in the NIV Bible, it goes from verse 20 to verse 22. It says 20, and then it says 21 in parentheses, and it's got a number by it, but I don't know what the, I mean, the letter by it, I don't know what the letter means. And it goes straight to 22, 20, I mean, 21 to 22. I mean, 20 mm-hmm. to 22. So why, why do you know why that Matthew 21, 17 and 21 is taken out of the NIV? And then... Yeah, it's, it's, it's not taken out, Ruben. Here's the, here's the, 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 the um, context here. Um, the, the, the NIV and, and the newer translations are translating the Alexandrian sets of manuscripts, and verse 21 simply doesn't appear in the, in the Alexandrian manuscripts. In the Texas Receptive, Receptus, which you, 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 uh, the, the New King James and the King James Version um, translates, it is there, and it's likely, in this particular case, been added by... Um, uh, the, the translators, the original scribes, uh, simply for explanation. 
Um, so it doesn't mean it belongs there or it doesn't belong there. It's just that it's in the Texas Receptus set of manuscripts and not in the Alexandrian manuscripts. So it's not that they took it out. They're just translating a different set of manuscripts. And whenever that happens, all of the translations make note of the fact. They're not trying to hide anything. They make note of the fact that um, uh, this kind uh, or th- this, well, it's not in some of the better manuscripts. Uh, it, it belongs in the, in the It doesn't do any damage to the to the text at all. So that's all it is. Is a matter of which manuscript is being translated. And there's a, a half dozen or so of those uh, instances in your uh, newer translations where where they draw attention. They'll skip a verse, but they'll draw attention at the bottom, and they'll put it in there. So nobody's trying to hide anything. There's nothing wrong with it at all. Uh, Ruben, I'm going to ask you to stay on, the, not stay on the line, but keep listening because I've got a call waiting on the other side of the break, and then I want to address your other two issues for a moment, uh, and, and then uh, um, hope, hopefully be able to encourage you. Please be assured that we will be praying for you uh, constantly, and uh, keep keep in touch. Thank you for calling. We've got 30 minutes left in our Monday edition of the program. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. 340-9585 is our number for your live calls and questions. Or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. We'll be back on the other side of the break. We'll see you in two minutes. If you have questions about the Bible, you can send them to Pastor Ron and he'll answer them on the air or reply directly to you. Email your questions to Pastor Ron KSLR at gmail.com. That's Pastor Ron KSLR at gmail.com. Back to the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the program, 340-9585. Let's take uh, line one, James. James, thank you for being patient and holding. You're on the air. Hey, Papa Ron. How are you today? I'm doing well, James. Hey, I just, I'm, I'm sitting in traffic, and um, I was listening to Robert two calls ago, and, and uh-huh. I just, if you didn't mind, I wanted to just kind of encourage him because, as you know, I have, you know, Ella, and then I have I have two other older daughters, and I felt, I felt his heart, and I just wanted to yeah. encourage him. Um, I, one of the verses that popped in mind as I was listening to him was Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It Paul encourages us. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things, through prayers and supplication, make our requests be made known to God, and the peace of God will uh, that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I can't tell you how many times, not only in my marriage, but just with my girls, even my oldest daughter, who, who you know, is, is thir- over, she's 31, um, I still get tempted to be anxious at times for them um, because even as adults, they, they make decisions and it breaks daddy's heart. And at 16 years old, Robert, I can imagine that that anxiety when <laughs> coming down the steps with what is she going to wear today? But at the end of the day, you have to realize that, that not only is she your daughter, but God made her in his image and after his likeness, and he loves her so much. And um, you keep praying and sticking close to Jesus, and he'll do the work. He'll do the work. And you just have to trust him with her. And that's what I really wanted to share with him, Pop. I just felt him. I was like, man, I wish I could just hug him. (laughs) I I can tell that he loves his daughter. Yeah, James, thank you so much. You know, it's it's better counsel. Um, you know, the, we serve, Paul writes to the Church of Corinth, the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others with the comfort we ourselves have received. And you've been through this. I've, I've lived through it with you. So um, uh, Robert yeah. James is speaking from experience. He's seen the power of God move in his daughter's life. And um, uh, you can listen to him. He he knows what he's talking about. James, thank you. 
Yeah, if he ever comes to visit, tell him to come look me up and we can talk some more. <laughs> I'll put you two together. Thanks. All right. Love you. Bye-bye. God bless. You know, isn't it, isn't it just normal? I mean, natural for us. We we want to, to help God out and we want to hurry up the process. Um, uh, and and usually parents who are going through this don't really understand this, but it really is good when your children are forced by God to make their own choices. Um, I, I recognize they're going to make terrible choices. And, and as James said, daddy's heart is going to be broken. Um, but you see, this is the, the moment where they've got to grow up and be weaned from mom and dad's Jesus and, and develop a relationship with Jesus themselves. And uh, James counsel, Robert, uh, God loves them more than you do. And uh, we got to hold on to that. Uh, and, and if you let the anxiety, the worry overwhelm you, the enemy is going to make mincemeat of you. So um, James knows what he's talking about. Thank you very, very much. Before I go into the question, I, I wanted to, to add a couple of things for Reuben. He asked for prayer for a couple of things. Reuben, one of the things that you said was, you know, uh, with, about the issue that you emailed me about. Um, you know, you don't know whether it's it's a spirit, you know, it's something good. It's not spirit. It's flesh. It's Romans chapter 7. What I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, that's what I find myself doing. Oh, wretched man that I am. And I think, Reuben, and this is where the enemy really confuses you, you got to realize that apart from Christ, you're a wretched man. There's nothing good in us. In my flesh is no good thing. And and a lot of times we'll think that, we'll, we'll understand that, and then the enemy will pound us over the head with it like, well, I've got to be better than this by now. And you see, whenever he can get you thinking like that, well, then he's going to win because you're in your flesh. The Apostle Paul in Romans 7 understood that he was powerless to win the battle against Satan. And believe me, the Apostle Paul had Satan himself doing the attacking. We don't. We have lesser demons. But the idea here is that, that I agree. That, that's one of the ways that I always um, deal with condemnation. Um, you know, when the, the enemy is condemning me, I just agree. That's right. That's who I am. But thank God Jesus comes to the rescue. You know, in Romans seven twenty four, the, the the passage I was just quoting, uh, he says this, he says, who can rescue me from this body of death? And then comes the answer, I thank my God through Jesus Christ. And so when I'm feeling condemned, I understand the source of that condemnation is the devil. And that's when I want to go to my rescuer. So, Reuben, this is nothing but flesh. Absolutely nothing but flesh. So walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. When you're walking in the flesh, you will fulfill the lust of the flesh. And that's the battle that's being dealt with here. You know, one of the things that I used to do early when I was really being tempted with, with things that uh, are, are no longer temptation to me, I, I, I'm still tempted like everybody, but Satan just uses different things the older you get. Uh, one of the things I used to do is, is when, when I was afraid or when I was tempted to sin, uh, I would just grab my Bible. And I did it so consistently that the enemy thought, well, if I keep doing this, he's going to keep grabbing his Bible, so I'm going to try something else. So uh, instead of feeling condemned that you don't read your Bible enough, whenever you start to feel condemned, pick up your Bible. you got to have the ammunition to fight with Reuben and Trying to fight in our own strength is going to determine uh, or is going to, to result, rather, in, in us failing. Uh, we got to let Jesus do the fighting. And the way to do that is to be with Jesus, remember that, and he will deliver us from that. I'll be praying for your upcoming surgery. Hope that it's unnecessary, but we'll be praying. So thank you very, very much. Here is a question from our mobile app. This one came from John. Uh, Pastor, what is the meaning of Proverbs chapter 27, verses 6 and 13? John, let me read the verses. Now remember, Proverbs is just a series of shotgun verses of wisdom. 
Uh, and when he gets to verse 6, it says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. So I think what he's saying to us there is that we need people in our lives who can be honest with us. Don't listen to people that will flatter you. That's the idea. An enemy multiplies kisses. It's flattery. Oh, no, you're fine. You're, you're great the way you are. Um, and, and that's not coming from God. When you have a friend, a true friend, that's somebody who can correct you. That's somebody who will um, sit down with you in the middle of a struggle and tell you the truth. And John, I don't know whether you're married or not, but my friend lives in my home. And I want to know. I've got other people that would come to me, and I've, I've over the years made a promise, if I go crazy, if I get weird, you tell me. I don't want to embarrass Jesus. So that's what the sixth verse means. In verse 13, uh, it's a whole different subject. Again, remember, this is just sort of a shotgun uh, approach to wisdom. It says, take the garment of one who puts up security for a stranger, hold it in pledge if he does it for a wayward woman. Um, um, the idea is, is if you don't know somebody, um, take something of value if you're going to give them anything or do something. Um, practically speaking, uh, we could say this deals with co-signing. You know, kids ask parents to co-sign for them all the time. Uh, and you don't want to put up security for someone else. Uh, that that appears um, in the same proverb. Um, but when people come to you for help, if you don't know them, be careful. That's That's what he's saying here. Let's now go to the phones we've got. Cindy on line one. Cindy, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hey, Pastor Ron. I really Hi, enjoyed Cindy. dinner last night with everybody. Yeah, and, wasn't it great? Oh, it was really great. I really liked Sunday study. It, it was kind of like hanging out in the room with, 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 the, um, with the disciples in a way. I've got a couple things. This morning I was reading, and um, in Luke 22... On verse 8, when Jesus is saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. And then the next verse was, the disciples say, where do you want us to prepare for it, they asked. And I thought that was really neat. Like, instead of them saying, oh, I know where we can go. We can go over to this guy's barn, or we can go here, or we can do this. Their first response was in obedience of, well, Lord, where do you want it? And that just really struck me how, you know, how, how that needs to be when God asks us something in, in our lives. And then the other part of what I have is a couple things was um, the Jewish disciples. Now, they must have grown up having the Passover. They must have gone every year. And, mm -hmm. and I don't know if any of the Gentiles, after they got saved, if they went to a Passover or if the one upstairs was the first one any of the Gentiles would have partaken in. But what I was thinking about with the uh, disciples who had grown up going to the Passover, if anybody had a clue that, that they were having Passover with, with God, with God in the flesh, was having Passover with them, and, and if anybody really really caught that drift or not about how, how serious that was. And then when Jesus says, let's see, in, in verse 14, or no, 15 in chapter 22 of Luke, he said, Jesus says, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffered. And I'm thinking about how long he must have thought about doing that, if it was from, like, like the beginning of time that, that Jesus knew who he was going to be and what was going on, or was it from, you know, when, when he came to earth and when he knew, you know, kind of like everything that was happening. I just wonder how long was he desiring to, to be able to have that Passover with them. So those are all my little things for today, and I'll, I'll get off the phone and let you, um, let you go through them. Thank you, Cindy, and thank you for your thank you for your service at the dinner last night. You're always so generous with your time, and we really, really appreciate it very, very much. Good food, good crowd. A couple of things about Luke 22, and I have another question that came uh, from somebody who watched it online. 
Um, Cindy, first of all, there were no, no Gentiles in the story. There are no Gentiles in Jesus' crowd. So the Passover wasn't about Gentiles. And of course, Jesus and the other Jewish disciples, uh, they were under the law and the law required. We know that they kept the law uh, as best they could. Jesus kept it perfectly. So they would have gone to Passover every single year. So this is a strictly Jewish context. Um, the, 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 the reason that it was important that they obeyed. Peter and John were the disciples who were told to go in and follow a man carrying a pitcher of water. Um, I, I explained yesterday that the, the meeting place had to remain secret. Otherwise, uh, Judas would have betrayed him. Uh, the, the Jewish religious leaders and the Roman soldiers would have been there, and he wouldn't have been able to eat the Passover. The Passover was really important. I don't think anybody really understands on, on this last Passover that Jesus... Uh, partook of um, uh, John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16 and 17 occurred all in that upper room I mean it, this this wasn't a, a short dinner party, this was monumental and so Jesus eagerly desired to eat this Passover with them because he knew he needed to prepare them for his departure he knew they needed to be ready, and he had so much to tell them. Not only that, but as I indicated in the message yesterday, he, um, uh, he wanted to serve them. He washed their feet, wanted to show them that this is what you will be doing when I leave. You'll be washing the feet of others. And uh, that's why he eagerly desired to do it. Now, when you talked about Jesus from the beginning of time, he knew all that. But more specifically, Cindy... Um, Jesus, you'll remember on the Mount of Transfiguration, Elijah and Moses appeared to him and they told him specifically all the things that were going to happen. They were messengers from, from Jesus' father. And so Jesus had a very clear idea about everything that was going to happen. He was ready. He was prepared. And so he had to make sure that this time with his disciples, those closest to him, uh, including his betrayer. Uh, he had to make sure that they were ready for the ministry that would occur um, after his death. So, uh, yeah, it was a, a, a very intentional plan. Uh, and uh, um, it just uh, the heart, the mind of Jesus, the priorities of Jesus in his last hours are absolutely amazing to me all the time. Let me, while I'm on that subject, get to Richard's question. He said, in your message yesterday, you said that Judas would be in hell, but I think he will be in heaven because he fulfilled God's purpose for him. Richard, you're not reading your Bible carefully. Um, Jesus said, uh, have I not chosen 12 of you and one of you is a devil? I pointed that verse out yesterday. He said he was a son of perdition from the beginning. Jesus always knew Judas made choices the prophecies didn't determine the choices that Judas made the prophecies revealed the choices that he would make so God didn't make Judas betray him God just knew he would so the idea is you can't blame God for Judas's sins nor can you blame God for your sins and Richard sometimes we take sort of a fatalistic approach to to well nothing happens outside of God's will uh, you haven't read the newspaper. You haven't looked at the TV news. Um, lots of stuff happens outside of God will, God's will. He's in control, but remember, he's not yet judging the world. And uh, Judas fulfilled his destiny, but it was a destiny by choice. It certainly wasn't God's choice. In fact, Jesus, I mentioned yesterday, repeatedly gave Judas opportunities to repent time and time again. And Judas simply refused to repent. He had his own agenda. Jesus had his agenda. And uh, Judas didn't like it, so he made the wrong choice. So I hope that um, answers your question. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here is our next question. This one comes from Danny. Um, what is the best way for a church to approach evangelism? I don't see a lot of churches focusing on it. 
Um, Danny, I agree. I don't see a lot of churches focusing on it uh, either. Uh, I think that the purpose of every church ought to be to get people saved. Now, there's lots of sub-purposes in the, in the mission of the church. But um, evangelism, winning people to Christ, has to be at the center of everything you do. You know, uh, Danny, I don't know how long you've been listening to the show, but uh, we have a free school. Uh, it's not just for believing kids from, or kids from believing families. Uh, we put people on a list, and if they get in, they get in. We don't care whether they come from Calvary Chapel or, or from someplace else. Uh, why do we do that? We want them to see the love of God. We want to win the unbelievers. It's why we require that that uh, people who don't call Calvary Chapel of San Antonio their church home, they come twice a month on a, on a Wednesday or a Friday or a Sunday uh, because they need to know who we are, what we're teaching. And, uh, you know, kids get saved here, and we want to prepare them for that. And often when the kids get saved and change, then the adults get saved. So uh, the school is all about winning people to Christ, preparing our kids at this school to go out and tell Jesus about others. I mentioned in the program on Friday, uh, we had our, our, our kids um, up to sixth grade go out and do Christmas caroling uh, every year. They went out into nursing homes and they travel around. And uh, every year... Um, People are so abundantly blessed. Somebody gets saved. And it's just kids serving. So it's about winning people to Christ. We have a, a, a family practice doctor's office here at Calvary Chapel. Full, full, fully functioning. It is 100% free. We do it because people need Jesus when they come to that doctor's office. The physical touch of a doctor. The authority that God has given a doctor. And then the doctor praying for them and sharing Jesus with them, somebody gets saved there nearly every day. And we, we've had over 31,000 patients in our seven years doing this, this doctor's office. Every single thing we do, Joy of Jesus, the radio program, this show, every single program, while it's directed primarily to believing audiences, you have no idea how many unbelievers listen to this program. And all it is we want them to be saved. We want them to hear. How will they hear unless somebody is sent to tell them? And we approach that very seriously. So it is the focus of every single thing that we do. Uh, the best way for a church to approach evangelism, Danny, is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Now, we have evangelistic outreaches, Joy of Jesus, other things that we do um, certainly are, are intended uh, to be evangelistic in, in mission. Uh, we have a street witnessing team that goes out uh, on the weekends, uh, and, and people get saved there. So, so we focus on evangelism, but the real evangelism happens by teaching the Word, equipping the people who come to Calvary Chapel to go out and tell other people about Jesus. And boy, do they ever. They get excited about Jesus. They can't wait to share. And because they're taught, I think they're well taught, um, you know, they're they're willing to be a little bit uncomfortable, to feel a little awkward, but they tell people. Now, there's some people who are really, really shy, but they still invite people to church. And I'll bet we have 30-plus first-time visitors at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio every Sunday. And people get saved. So every single thing is about evangelism. That's why the Apostle Paul writing to Philemon, and Paul will be talking about uh, Philemon tonight. Uh, but uh, he says, I pray that you'll be active in sharing your faith so that you have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. In other words, if you're not sharing your faith, you don't get it. So, Danny, the people need to be encouraged. And uh, it, it's much better for me to send out, um, you know, the, the, the numbers of people. We have a lot of people that come to our church. Uh, to send them out every day as evangelists in the workplace, in the neighborhoods, at H-E-B. If you were going to the H-E-B by our house, you might find Paul in there praying with somebody. Uh, and, and we just send evangelists out. They, they, that's not their intention. They, they don't know they're evangelists, but they're just doing what comes natural for a grateful believer, sharing their faith. And so, Danny, share your faith. Bring people to church. Don't wait for events. 
One of the things, and this is one of my pet peeves, Danny, and probably not at all what you had in mind when you asked the question. But, you know, as Western culture Christians, we have an affinity for events. You know, we want to go out street witnessing, let's get a big group of people and hit the streets, or we want to go and have a, a big event where everybody can come and hear the gospel presentation. And, um, you know, that's okay, those are good things, but the real evangelism happens one-on-one. And when you're equipping people to go out and share their Jesus with unbelievers, and when their life matches up with their words, boy, there is such great power. Acts 5.32 says, God gives the Holy Spirit and power to those who obey. When you're sharing your faith, I promise you, you're going to see power, the power of the Holy Spirit, perhaps that you haven't experienced before. So don't wait for events. Don't wait for a, a church to do something. You do it. And then recruit others in the church. You, you know, we've got friends and people that we care for in church. Tell them, hey, you know, why don't we go out and share our, our faith this weekend? Or why don't we go here and tell, uh, tell people about Jesus? You know, the kids, I said, went to uh, nursing homes to, to sing Christmas carols. Uh, it's not just Christmas caroling. They're, they're singing some old standard Christmas songs, but they're also singing some songs that have a message in them. And, uh, you know, Danny and everybody else in this audience, you want an opportunity to be an evangelist, you go to a nursing home. Those people are literally in their last hours. And they're lonely. They want anybody to come and talk to them, to listen to them. And you've got a ready and ripe audience standing before you. So just go. Spend an afternoon. Uh, every nursing home is looking for people who will come and visit. And so, uh, Danny, that's the best approach uh, for evangelism. I thought I had time for one more question. I do not. There's the music. Hey, thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Word to Stand Up for Life. A reminder tonight at 7 o'clock here at Calvary Chapel. Uh, the men's, women's, and youth Bible studies will be taking place. Paula will be available to be watched on live stream at calvarysa.com. Hey, thanks for tuning in. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Merry Christmas. We'll see you tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.